Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article that's at the beef.unl.ed website titled, A Calf's Most Important Meal, Colostrum. This article is co-authored by Haley Linder, a master's student at the University of Nebraska, together with Dr. Halden Clark, who's the health stewardship veterinarian at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center, as well as Dr. Murray Janowski, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef System Specialist. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Halden Clark. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Clark. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Aaron. Well, Dr. Clark, we've talked about colostrum and the importance of colostrum on some prior podcasts, but I thought today might be appropriate to take a little deeper dive and really visit about why is colostrum so important, and then specifically the things that are happening with colostrum for that calf and why it's so important to that calf to get it in a timely way. Give some perspective on things that make this so important to the calf and why producers should be paying attention to making sure calves get this really early on soon after birth. If you've been working with cattle for a while, you've noticed that whenever vets talk about colostrum, they are very enthusiastic, maybe even with kind of a wild look in their eye when they describe the importance of colostrum. And if you have kids, you may have noticed that uh, human doctors, they just don't seem to put as much emphasis or importance on, on colostrum for human babies. And so I was always curious about that. And I remember sitting in vet school and hearing the lecture on uh, why colostrum is so important for grazing herbivores like cattle and horses. And the answer is I found very fascinating and, and enlightening. So I wanted to share that with listeners today. So with large grazing herbivores, they are designed to be able to conceive very soon after they give birth. So a cow is going to need to be able to produce a calf every year and she has a nine month gestation. So she only has a short window of time where she needs to go through the process of uterine involution. The uterus needs to basically clean itself out and get ready to house another uh, developing fetal calf. And that has to happen very quickly. And then in the horse, it's actually even more dramatic because they have an 11 month gestation and most of them will foal annually. So we find out that actually 75% of mares can usually get pregnant annually by being uh, bred on their full heat, which happens about seven or eight days after they give birth. So if you think about that design, it's really remarkable that they can give birth to a sometimes 100-pound foal and then get pregnant again seven days later and foal again in a year later. So it's an amazing design, and, and the way that that works is what I'm going to try to describe to you here in the next few minutes. So in developing foals, or developing calves, the fetal blood supply, the calf's blood supply, and the maternal or mother's blood supply never actually mix. There's actually six tiny layers of tissue, thin layers of tissue between the mother's circulation and the fetal circulation. In calves and horses, those layers are intact throughout gestation. So it is possible for carbohydrates, for water, for proteins, for fats to go through those six layers and get to the developing fetal bloodstream and that calf develops, but it's too much tissue, too many layers for antibodies to go all the way through. So in, in human beings, there are three of those layers that remain intact throughout gestation, but the other three break down 
during gestation. And so there are actually only three left between the fetal blood and the maternal blood. And antibodies, which are complex proteins, are able to go all the way across those three. So human babies are born with some of their mother's antibodies already in their bloodstream and protecting them from the viral or bacterial pathogens that they encounter soon after birth. Calves are born with almost no antibodies in their bloodstream. And so they get virtually all of the antibodies from their mother in the colostrum. That's why colostrum is so important. And that's why vets have that intense look in their eye when they talk about how important colostrum is to a baby calf. So as soon as that calf takes in that colostrum, there are a set of specialized cells in the lining of the small intestine that can grab those complex antibody proteins whole and take them right into the calf's bloodstream. That is in contrast to an adult bovine or an adult horse where their intestinal epithelium would encounter something like an antibody and chop it up into all the amino acids that it's made up of, basically the building blocks of a protein, digest it, and then put it in the bloodstream. That certain set of uh, cells that are in that neonatal calf's intestine are, are a specialized set. And as soon as that calf's born, they start to slough and are replaced by adult epithelial intestinal cells, which digest. So we want that calf to get colostrum as soon as possible after it's born, within reason. Four hours is, is generally seen as soon enough. Six hours is still pretty good. But after that, their ability to take those proteins into their bloodstream whole, those protective antibodies, it starts to wane pretty quickly. By 24 hours, it's, it's basically, that's the end of the window when colostrum does any extra good. Uh, after that, it's basically just protein source, and it's really no different than normal milk that the cow would produce. So Dr. Clark, talk about some of the research that's been done at the Meat Animal Research Center and really exploring the value of this passive transfer and how that can impact health for a calf throughout its life. So there have been some interesting studies done. And as we, we track calves forward, we can test them between uh, one day and one week of age by checking for how much protein their blood has in it. And the antibody proteins make up such a large percentage of that protein that we can actually, just by testing protein, we can get a very uh, reliable feel for how much colostrum that calf got. And as we look at calves that did not get enough colostrum, what we find is that throughout their lifespan, they are not as productive as a calf that got adequate colostrum near the time of birth. Some of our uh, data is, in, is from dairy where it's a little easier to get a hold of calves immediately after birth, both the healthy ones and the ones that had some sort of difficulty around the time of, of birth. And it's just the same as what we find in beef cattle. They are just simply not as healthy, not as productive as animals that got a full dose of colostrum right at the time of birth. Uh, one of the statistics that Dr. Richard Randall used to use is that calves that die in the neonatal period for any reason, essentially, or for an, uh, due to an infection of some kind, 85% of them are found to have gotten insufficient colostrum. So that's a, that's a pretty staggering statistic if you think about it and, and an important one for us to wrap our minds around in the beef industry. So talk about, you mentioned just the importance of colostrum and, and getting that into the calf in a timely way. Obviously on a nice day with a mature cow that gets that calf up and it's amazing to see how quickly 
the cows tries to urge that calf to nurse and how that calf is immediately looking for a place to nurse. That's the optimum type scenario. But then we have scenarios where maybe we have a first calf heifer or we have a cow that's having difficulty and maybe the calf is slow to get up and or slow to stand or maybe we have to assist and help a cow or a heifer with delivery. How should we treat those kind of scenarios if we're concerned about colostrum and passive transfer? Yeah, so a, a compromised calf. Yeah, that's an excellent point. My favorite thing to recommend is what my uh, professor recommended at Colorado State, uh, Dr. Bob Mortimer. That was if you have the cow caught, you really ought to milk her out if there's any way to do it. If, if she'll stand for it and you can do it and you have what you need, make sure to get her milked out. Her colostrum is going to be the best thing for her calf. Uh, so if you can tube the calf with her own colostrum, that's ideal. If you have to assist a cow at the time of calving, then I would say that the job's not really done until that calf has gotten colostrum. So milking the mother out is ideal. Another cow from your own herd is a good choice as well. If neither of those is going to work, then a colostrum replacer product is probably the next best thing. Colostrum supplement products are only for calves that you think got some colostrum and just maybe needs a little more, not for calves that got no colostrum. It does, there's not enough immunoglobulin G in those products to fully replace what the calf is going to need. Bringing colostrum in from another herd is risky from a disease transmission standpoint. So vets don't like to recommend that. There's another way. But making sure that calf gets, gets a, a good dose, at least a couple quarts, of good quality colostrum is going to set them up for success throughout their entire lifespan. So you mentioned a little bit about some colostrum supplements. Talk a little about the importance of colostrum replacement products, how they differ, and maybe the value of having some of those on hand, especially in times of year when we expect to have some challenging weather. And I've got a cow in the pasture. It might not be so easy to get her in and milk her out, but if I had a colostrum replacement product, might be able to get that to a calf that I had some question about whether or not it got colostrum. Yeah, that's a great point. So one of the tickets is the number of grams of IgG that the product has in it. So if it has a hundred or more grams of IgG per dose, it's probably labeled as a colostrum replacement product. And your vet can help you select the right ones. If you have any questions on this, we want to make sure that the calf gets the right one. So yeah, those colostrum replacer products are for calves that you think probably got no colostrum. And then anything with 100 or fewer grams of IgG in it would probably be labeled as a colostrum supplement, meaning it just doesn't have as, as big a dose of IgG in it as the replacer product. And that'd be for a calf that you think probably got some, but maybe not enough. And you just want to try to make sure that it gets enough. That would be the calf that those supplement products are for. Talk a little bit about the process of delivering the colostrum to the calf. We could put that in a bottle and work to get the calf to nurse, or we could use an esophageal feeder. Give some preference from your perspective on those two tools and how we might use those. Yeah, so if the calf is vigorous enough to drink from a, from a bottle, then I would certainly do that. When they nurse, there's a reflex in their esophagus, basically where the esophagus empties into the, the four stomachs of the calf. There's a reflex there called the esophageal groove, which will allow the milk to go straight into the abomasum instead of falling into the rumen. The abomasum is certainly where we want colostrum to go, and it speeds absorption. If it goes into the rumen, then there can be some fermentation and some loss of the efficacy of the 
colostrum. So we want the calf to swallow it if at all possible. Some calves are not going to be vigorous enough to nurse from a bottle or they just won't figure it out. And those ones need to be tube fed. We're planning to give some tips and tricks on how to get an esophageal feeder placed correctly to avoid uh, any complications with that here in an, in an upcoming BeefWatch article. For now, I'll just say that uh, your vet can help you learn that if it's something that you want to learn. And if you're already comfortable with it, it's excellent. So if you place that esophageal tube feeder uh, about midway down the, the calf's esophagus, you should be able to feel the bulb on it with your fingers as it slides back and forth. Uh, the esophagus being a soft tube, whereas the trachea, which is where you do not want to deposit any fluid of any kind, uh, is stiff. So it, you wouldn't be able to feel the bulb go past your fingers if the if the bulb on the tube feeder is in the trachea. Anyway, if you're careful and go slow, a lot of times you can still get the calf to swallow. And I, I believe that that will still help get more of that colostrum where it needs to go. You should be feeling that calf's uh, neck move as it swallows. And if you can get it a couple quarts of colostrum and it swallows them well, then that's that's an excellent step in that calf having a good start to its life. Anything else you'd like to highlight, Dr. Clark, as we point towards wrapping this up? No, I think that's about it. I just uh, was hoping to give people a little deeper perspective on why colostrum is so important and help them to understand why vets get so excited about it. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Absolutely. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Wash podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. At the website, you'll be able to find more information on this topic.